I want to go make a fresh coffee since I destroyed mine. For once, I was actually on time. I was still beaten <laughs> by two people, but I was so on time, it's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by OfferZen, a South African recruitment startup for developers. OfferZen inverts the normal recruitment process. Instead of applying for jobs, 350 tech companies in Cape Town, Johannesburg, and Pretoria send developers interview requests with upfront salary info. For developers, it's completely free to sign up and use. In fact, you get 5,000 Rand if you take a job through them. Visit OfferZen.com to sign up. That's O-F-F-E-R-Z-E-N.com. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 72 of the ZA Dev Chat podcast. Tonight on the panel I'm joined by Kevin. Hello, hello. Chantal. And our trio of guests tonight are Ridwana. Hi everybody. Inez. Hi there. And Laura. Hello. Welcome ladies, thanks thanks for joining us. I guess before we get into the, the meat of the topic, let's uh, take a few minutes to, to give each of you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners so, so they get to know you a bit more. Uh, Ridwana, you've been on the show before. Uh, for people who didn't listen to that episode, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about who you are? Yeah, so I mean, I was on one of the very, very early shows. I think it was around episode six. But yeah, my name is Ridwana. I'm I'm a software developer by profession. I'm also an entrepreneur, project manager, accountant, HR person, everything all in one. That's what comes along when you're a new business owner. Yeah, so I have a company called Zero One. It's a bespoke software development company. I'm really, really, really passionate about development and I love, I love designing systems and I'm very interested in UX. Yeah, I guess that's me. Short and sweet. Ines? Hi. So yeah, so I'm a UX consultant. I'm currently working for free thinking business consultants and I'm based at ABSA in Santon. I really love what I do. I think uh, UX has such a significant impact on all areas of our daily lives. And so being a part of that and helping people get through their days a bit more easier is really important to me. Yeah, that's about it. And Laura? I'm Laura. Um, I am a business analyst and I specialize in user experience, uh, very organically discovered user experience when a company contacted me and asked me to do a UX project. And I said, but I don't know what that is. And through the application process, realized that I've been doing UX for years prior to that. So that, that was really exciting to discover that there was a name for something that I did. Um, I'm currently working at an advertising agency, but a lot of my career has been working with NGOs and uh, provincial governments on sort of service delivery type projects. And I am very passionate about UX and what I do. So, so on that, that's curious. What does UX mean to an NGO? Sure, that's an interesting question. I, I think it's a, it's an, I don't think that I necessarily have worked with NGOs specifically as a UX practitioner. But because UX is so much about the end user and NGOs are so focused on very niche areas in helping people, that it's very much formed a solid foundation of what I do. 
and focusing on the user and focusing on user research and understanding people and where they're coming from. I don't think that a lot of NGOs can really afford UX services, though, at this point in time. But there are a lot of NGOs in South Africa that do software development uh, where it becomes increasingly important, especially when you're dealing with marginalized groups, uh, issues of disability, language, that I think NGOs just, even though they might not call it UX, naturally consider the user and the different requirements that a user has. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Thanks. <laughs> and I guess I jumped in a bit earlier there. Maybe for people that don't know, who's going to take a stab at defining UX broadly for us? Ines? Sure. So maybe I can I can define it based on how how I actually got into UX. Sure. So when I was applying for Vasti, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was really passionate about creativity and the arts, um, but there was no solid um, like way forward for me. And so I chose to study a general BA at UCT. And during that, they had like a, a specialized production stream for online media. So I thought, well, you know, it's got some like graphic stuff in there, some coding, and I'm really good with like maths and numbers. So maybe this is something for me. So I applied for the production stream and I got into that and I loved it. It was a bit of coding, a bit of design, a lot of thinking. So it was really great for me, but I didn't really know what I was doing yet. And then I continued and I, I did my honors there and, and, and I literally just stumbled into UX. So one of my, my honors lecturers, he was an author and each year he gets a new honors student to redo his, his website. So he gets like, a free new website each year but it's so great for us because we we got exposure through him so i said sure i i i'd love to redesign your website as as my thesis project it was amazing and so i think he expected and i also expected initially that i would just make it look pretty which was an easy task but then i started thinking about it and the relationship between authors and their readers um, because I read a lot. And I thought, why would I actually go to a website by an author that I'm reading or, or about a book that I'm reading? And so I started looking at other author websites and seeing how they they built their relationships with their readers. And it was so interesting to see the different ways that different genres of books designed their websites. So you had like science fiction novels which focused a lot on their characters and their growth and how characters develop, even allowing their reader to really contribute to the novel. So it was looking at how do you facilitate such an offline relationship between readers and the author, yet online? And, and what do they want? What do the readers want? What does the author want? And how do you do that? And so it was quite, quite like a natural thought progression for me. So, and that was kind of what led me to start writing my thesis on this relationship. And eventually I realized that there was actually a title for what I do and for the thought process. So thinking about people and what do they need from technology and how do you give that to them? Thanks. That's, yeah, that's great. You, you entered to something there that at least for me was fascinating when I stumbled into the world of, of UX by accident was that it also involves um, the physical world. What like non-screen interactions um, with stuff, and that's kind of. I was also curious about the the asking about how NGOs what this means to them. I didn't for once even consider um, accessibility 
you know, and in general, just dealing with people kind of on the fringes of society as, as the nature of their work. I was thinking of, of print medium stuff. And if you like run big events, fundraisers, or, or like, um, be, be it marches, like the kind of banners and stuff that, that people make and, and to bring the whole thing together for relationship building or pushing an agenda or selling products or everything. It, it, yeah, it's always struck me that it's more than that. And I think it's, it might or might not be, but I was at, I think it was Pixel Up at UJ a year or two ago, I think two years ago. And and there was a, a lady there giving a keynote. She was from South America and it actually struck me how her interpretation of UX was architecture and open spaces and interaction with technology in that world. Like what happens if your whole house is controlled with Bluetooth and the Bluetooth controller breaks? How do you switch your lights on and off? Can you open a window, control your blinds? And it's, <laughs> that was absolutely fascinating. And it goes like, okay, this is, at least to me, it's like significantly bigger than a pretty interface. It's such an interesting point because for me, it's not even just, you know, we can apply this for products or physical products or how we design a cup for people or, you know, going back to historically even things like ergonomics. But for me, user thinking fundamentally is just a way of thinking. The fact that you're actually saying the user's experience is important, how they they interact with something is important, no matter what we're doing, whether it's an event, whether we're designing a physical product, whether we're designing an interactive live experience, whether we're designing a system or a website or a, a computer system or even like a logistic system in a warehouse, whatever it is, we need to look at the user um, and, and what's going to be important to them and what they need um, from it. I, I love Susan Dre's quotes if the user can't use it, it doesn't work. That's it at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's a great Definitely. Point. You know, one of the things that I find, um, I mean, being a software developer, I think we're just so engulfed always in just getting the functionality out there and pushing for things to work and pushing for new features. Um, and then we get the system out there and the software out there for users to use. And we realize that no matter how much functionality and features that your system has, if it doesn't have a great and seamless user experience, users aren't really going to use the system at the end of the day. And that's kind of a hard lesson to learn. I think personally for myself as a software developer, um, for the first two years when I was building, I, I didn't even take into consideration user experience. I would build my systems and I would, I would push for features and I would push for functionality. And it's only later on once I started my own company and I started working with clients and I started understanding that like users need to have a seamless user experience to want to use your systems or else it will just lie basically. Yeah, that's so true. Um, I think there's an episode or one of the recent episodes of the TV show Silicon Valley um, where they um, developed this platform and it's great at compressing things and people have been using it. But one of the, the early investors said she actually doesn't like the interface and she doesn't like it that much, whereas... Um, the guy who was on the team that built it, he said, wow, but all my friends are saying it's great. But all the people that he had sent, um, who had asked, he, he had asked to test the website were all developers. So it, he hadn't considered like a layman or someone who's from a non-technical background in that case. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of people actually refer to it as the granny test. So if you send your system out and your granny can use the system, that means that you have pretty good user experience. That's a pretty good one. I just wonder for how long um, that still counts because everybody's catching up with tech. I mean, I just what my mom's doing on her phone and on her laptop is amazing. And she's figuring it out all by herself. I know it's crazy. My mom is Facebooking all the time more than I do, actually. Yeah, so we need to, to, to use our grannies while we use them while they're still not capable. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that I mean the the usability of an app or a website, it's it's not the hardest part to get. So you can get things and make sure that people can use it and that they understand what's going on. They click a button and they see what's happening. Those those kinds of things are are generally quite um, easy to get. I think the most significant part of what we do as user experience designers is the actual experience. So not just do this, but is it enjoyable that they're going to tell other people to do it and they're going to come back and use it themselves? Does the experience make a difference to their daily lives? Do they use the app and feel better for the entire day, you know, so things like that, the actual experience, which is all about emotions and feelings. Um, so it takes it just a level above simple usability. Yeah. So like, I mean, one of the, one for me, at least one of the best sites in terms of user experience that I've utilized is Airbnb. Um, I never struggle with user experience on that site. Everything is so clearly, um, thought about and the design is really good but not only I mean just the user interface the user experience is very seamless I can't think of a better interface um, in terms of user experience than Airbnb and what's interesting I I sat next to one of the designers from Airbnb at uh, at the most recent pixel up and he was saying that, um, at his office, his Airbnb office, I think it was in LA. I can't remember exactly which city, but I think it was LA. He was saying that their meeting rooms are designed like to the teacup of some of their first listings. Um, so that when they go into a meeting room, they're in the space of their, their users. They're constantly aware of who their users are and where they are. I mean, to the point where they're meeting, um, to that point it was so amazing to hear how much they they really think about their users and their experience and what they need yeah, they're an interesting case um especially given those early days when the founders themselves actually went out to people's houses saying that they they're photographers <laughs> so people would let them in and then engaging with the initial customers and, and whatnot and learning that way it's a i just did like I read it about while it's some time ago, but I heard it again like in another podcast where it was briefly they spoke about the Airbnb guys. So that does not surprise me that they have that. And that sounds awesome. I guess a similar thing goes if you are trying to build, let's say, a mobile app or at least just a mobile website um, for people living outside of the cities, and you don't figure about like keeping your payloads as small as possible and cost these poor people two rand just to see an icon on the screen. Yeah, and I mean, like, even with tourism, like, I mean, the, the, like, I went, I recently traveled to, um, Dubai and their navigation app is like really good. So I think it's created by, by the actual government and 
um, you essentially download um, an area of the map that you know you're going to be touring when you're online. And thereafter, any interactions with the map is done offline. So, I mean, as a tourist, you don't necessarily have um, data all the time. So I think that was like a really good feature. And it's, it's taken into account that different people are sort of faced with different circumstances and taking into account what experience you'd like to give the user. Wow, no, that's great. I've only used the Google Maps offline feature a little bit and it didn't particularly work well for me. Um, but it was, I think I, I, I abused it more than used it. Um, so, I mean, Obviously, by now, the listeners know everybody's in UX <laughs> and, and absolutely loves the topic. So what we're chatting tonight about the core thing is is ladies that UX. And yeah, I mean, I, I had a look on the website and on Twitter. It seems super active. Uh, Laura, don't you want to tell us a bit about what uh, ladies that UX is, the background of it and, and how it works and where it's hosted? So ladies that UX was started by Georgie and Lizzie who I think they were in the UK and they're both UX practitioners and they're both women, obviously. And they were just busy chatting one day and having coffee. And they said, you know what, like we need to start this. We, we don't know any other women. There's issues that we're facing in our industry. We want to just connect. We're just going to start this and see who comes. And if it's just the two of us, then it's just the two of us um, that we want to meet regularly. And they started it and it just exploded. They were absolutely shocked about the number of uh, women that started attending. Um, and we're now sitting at, they started other chapters across the globe. And we're now sitting at over 50 chapters across the entire planet. And when we started, when I started LTUX in Cape Town, I was kind of looking for, for something that allowed us to connect internationally. That it wasn't just a woman or a diversity project for UX people that was only focused locally in South Africa, but it actually allowed us to see what else is happening overseas um, and connect with other women and share information and showcase what's happening here and bring stuff from there here, both in terms of UX and women that you are, that are in UX and that might not necessarily be heard, um, but also in terms of the actual UX skills. Uh, and it, I came across a few projects, but LTUX was the one that actually stuck. And we launched uh, Ladies That UX in Cape Town. It's the first chapter in Africa uh, in November last year. And then Inez joined recently, and we're launching it in Joburg as well. But it was it was really exciting because when we started it in Cape Town, I was also sort of wondering, you know, is there actually a need for this? Are there are there women that need to join? And it's has really proven to me just uh, within a couple of days, literally within two days, we had uh, well over 70 members. It just exploded. Um, and there's so many women who I've chatted to, I kind of run into, and they're working completely in isolation. They have no idea that there are even other women in the industry at all. Um, and there's some that know that there are other women, but they're also working in isolation and they're not getting to connect and interact with each other. Uh, and then obviously there's also sort of, specific issues that women face professionally and specifically within the UX community. Uh, so it's it's been something that's been quite inspiring. Um, and then we also talk a little bit in South Africa, I think it's quite important that we're not just focusing on women, but on um, diversity in general. So groups that don't necessarily have a, a voice all the time or who are underrepresented. No, that's absolutely fantastic. And, and how many meetups have you had so far? And, and what do they kind of 
look like? So we're running on about a meetup a month, or at least we're trying to do about a meetup a month. Um, so we've had what would be about 10 now since we launched uh, launched recently. And then obviously in Joburg, we were about to come up to launch, but Inez can tell you all about that. Um, about twice a year, we try to have something that's very community-oriented. So families, just people getting to know each other, Um and you know their partners and colleagues and and just generally relax and then once a month we have uh we generally kind of focus it around a lean coffee type event um so that's an unstructured meeting where everybody brings topics that they want to talk about and then everybody gets to vote on which topic they like the most and the topics with the most votes are the ones that we actually get to discuss uh, and then we move down the list. So sometimes we land up only covering one or two topics and sometimes we cover about five topics uh, and we sit down and we have coffee or cocktails at a restaurant in the, in the evening uh, and yeah, and just talk about what's happening. And some of the topics are about UX and some of the topics are about women in UX. Uh, yeah. Uh, so thanks for the segue. Ines, what do you have planned for, for Joburg? We have, we have a lot planned. Um, <laughs> It's actually, it's grown so much more than I expected. Um, so I'm slightly overwhelmed, uh, but I'm really excited. So we've got our launch happening on the 31st of August. Um, and that ties in with August, obviously, as, as Women's Month. Um, so for Joburg, we'd like to do a theme per every month. So as Cape Town runs, how they have their monthly meetups, we plan on doing the same. Um, it's just that our August launch is going to be a bit bigger and maybe a bit fancier than the monthly meetups. Um, so each meetup will have a theme for this month. Our our theme is women in leadership and the inspirational stories behind them. We've got two really amazing speakers that are going to be joining us. The first is Lauren Stratum. She's a lead experience designer at free thinking. So I work with her and she's one of the most amazing woman that I know in the industry. She's so experienced, so knowledgeable. She's she's so supportive as a woman and as a mentor that I could think of nobody better to start our, our organization in Joburg off with. Um, so she's going to be to- talking about the importance of storytelling um, within design thinking. And we'll then have like a workshop around that with the women that attend will do workshopping activities around storytelling, showing them the importance of it um, in terms of design thinking and how to come up with new, new design ways and such. Um, And our second speaker is Aisha Adam. She's quite a big name. She's the head of CIB IT rest of Africa at Standard Bank. Um, she's had a crazy career path. Um, so she started with a BSc in maths and science and, and now she's here at the head of CIB. Um, so we're just interested in hearing how did she get from point A, point B? Um, what were her frustrations as a woman? What were her motivations as a woman? How did her journey progress? And then from there, we plan to do a workshop around user journeys linked to the aspect of storytelling and the significant impact that has on design thinking. Um, But that's just our launch. Uh, Our monthly meetups will have more planned. Um, So as I said, each month will be a theme. 
plus a speaker, plus a workshop or practical activity. Um, and yeah, that's all we have planned at this point. It sounds like that first Thursday is going to be a busy evening. It is definitely it's going to be busy, but it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy how much it's grown. I think we've got about 60. Yeah. So on the meetup group, it is about 60 women are attending. Uh, actually, there's even some men attending, which is great. The support from men is, is really nice to have. Yeah. I was going to ask that <laughs> if the, cause I would love to hear about storytelling. I love storytelling. That's why I do this with you all. Um, no, we also had, uh, Rudy River on from Pink IT a few weeks ago. The episode still has to air as we record now. And same thing with Pink IT. I've asked if guys are welcome. And she's like, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend um, any guy to go to one of these like women-centered meetups to just like have the peels come off your eyes for a bit. It's completely different to any other meetup you've ever seen where guys dominate. It's fantastic to see. So kudos to everyone for for doing all of this? Uh, definitely. We, I mean, so as women in the industry, our, our biggest challenge is how do we face a male-dominated industry? Um, and one of the ways to get around this is actually to educate men on the problems that we experience, the issues that, that we experience, our frustrations. And if we don't open up to them, they will never know. And so we'll be fighting a battle against people who don't know that there's a battle being fought. Um, so I, I fully welcome men come and join and hear what it is that we have to say, to hear what our experiences are, and for us to talk about it and see how do we come to, to work equally? How do we come to empower women? Um, so, so I think it's great. I think that they should attend. Um, I think it, it will definitely help make a difference. You know, Ines, I really agree with your point. Um, I think that a lot of men in the industry, like, for instance, when I go to meetings and when I go to different, it's not so much the, the developer meetups, but for instance, when I'm dealing with clients, um, I actually have, I take a lot of strain being a woman in the industry. Um, but I think a lot of the time, it's not really because um, men don't want to talk to us or men don't actually want to hear our opinions. I think it's mostly because we're such a minority in the tech industry that men don't actually know how to deal with women in the room. Like within a meet, within a specific client meeting, for instance, I'm usually the only woman in the room amongst like eight or nine other men sometimes. And it's just that because they it's it's not a norm and they don't experience it a lot. Um that's why um they don't know how to deal with it. And coming to meetup like LTUX really sort of helps uh women and men integrate together and get to know each other and I guess realize how to deal with each other within the tech industry. I think it's just lack of information rather than like deliberately trying to be exclusive. Um, just to follow up on that, one of the the things that I've really loved um, since since we started running this in Johannesburg, uh, and we I spoke at um, at the UX conference in November last year as well, and had a lot of conversations after my talk with men and with women, and 
one of the things that I love about opening this dialogue and talking about this topic is the variety of experiences and needs that women and men have for something like this. Um, just firstly about men, that I think that's, like I think you're right about a lot of things that you said, but there's also a lot of men who who genuinely are struggling with tactics um, on how to deal with having women in their environment. So not so much that they don't know how to interact with the women, but they're worried about things like um, if they're managing women, how do they appropriately treat a woman compared to the men that are their subordinates? Can't necessarily treat them the same way because of issues of people seeing things in different lights with the way that men interact with men and that men interact with women. And some of these conversations have come up. So I think it's it's so essential that that it's not just about men coming to listen to what women have to say, but that we're actually all having a dialogue about these various topics and creating the space for us to come to solutions and hearing what each other has to say um, and and creating solutions for this. And then just on the on the side of women as well, um, like I personally, up until a few years ago, definitely didn't have the experience that, like if I was in a room full of men, that was fine for me. And I, I never felt that I was treated differently or had a problem. And it was for me personally, only when I had a child that I started having difficulty in a professional environment as a woman. Um, because my circumstances changed and a lot of the impressions and opinions around me um, and my behaviors started to change um, and, and, and how people treated me. Uh, so that was my sort of personal journey to really realizing that I personally needed to have something like this, even though I've always been passionate about the topic of diversity and inclusion. Um, but <clears throat> what, I've, what I've found is that there's a lot of women in UX who also don't feel that there's a need for something like this. They're in a point in their careers where they have plenty of support, uh, which is encouraging and exciting, um, but also interesting because we want to make sure that they understand that their experience is not necessarily what other women are experiencing um, and that they maybe have a lot of value to offer other women who are going through a difficult time to help them reach a space where they're equally comfortable. A hundred percent. And, you know, I think as we go through life, uh, Lara, I think our circumstances change. So, I mean, personally for me, when I started off my career, I actually did a, a talk at one of the conferences titled like a newbie female developers experience in um, a male dominated industry. And I, I talked about how inclusive my team was um, at that point. I was working at Internet Solution, and I think it was the only um, woman on the team at that time, and there were eight other men on the team. And I loved being a part of that team. Um, everybody treated me equally. Everybody um, took notice of my opinions. I was I was treated very well, and... Um, I remember in that talk, I, I spoke about how um, it doesn't necessarily uh, like within the within the tech industry, uh, men actually treat women really well, and we well, there was a nice diversity. There's nice diversity in terms of uh, bringing together ideas, etc. When you have men and women within a team, um, but I think as we go through life, I mean, there's some circumstances where we 
I, I feel like I am excluded. And then there's other circumstances where I feel like I'm not excluded. For instance, when I go to a lot of the, the, the Josie, sorry, the Josie hub meetups and stuff like that, I feel very inclu included in everything. Even, um, the, the meetups like Josie RB and Josie JS. Um, it's a very inclusive environment to women. Um, so I think just as, as you enter different circumstances in different environments, there's, there's just different ways that, um, different people interact with others. Yeah. I must say that I also had quite a different experience of, of why I feel that LTUX is so important. So when I was in Cape Town, I was in such such a heavily male-dominated space. Um, but very rarely did I feel unheard or mistreated or unequal to my male counterparts. Um, you know, they, I felt as though I was doing really well. They showed me that I was doing really well. And, and so I never really had an issue. Um, and, and once I moved to Johannesburg earlier this year, uh, that that's actually when I really felt it. So I moved into a client where I was in a team that was purely woman. Um, and that for me was the biggest factor because I think that because there's so few of us women in the industry, we often tend to see ourselves as, as com competition to one another. So not competition to anyone else, competition to one another. And so I got into this environment and it was insanely competitive you know who got to send the main email who got to be the face who got to be the the person who talked it was it was so competitive i i actually left um and that was when i realized that we as women aren't supporting one another we're we're shutting one another down we're not supporting one another because there's so few of us but there's there's probably just space for one person to be as you know in a leadership role or a senior role and so we turn one another down. And so for me, LTUX really brings about how do we actually support one another, mentor one another and thrive together? How do we grow together? Uh, and that's, that's also quite a big um, part of it that I would like to explore. No, wow. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I applaud what you ladies are doing. It's fantastic. I think diversity overall and giving people a safe space is so important. And and the safe space for people, for different people, means different things at, at different times. And, I, yeah, it's great. I, I really, I hope this the meetups are a huge success and the communities are a huge success. Here. And just to draw a little parallel, I kind of remember, like, I guess Kevin would remember this as well, the early days of, of the Ruby community where we were just a handful of people, how absolutely important it was to have each other and support each other like as we learned this technology and then like suddenly it exploded uh, in south africa this became hugely popular to the point where we started having conferences but those those first few meetups when it's a handful of people and you start making those initial connections and create that safe place is so important yeah those early days where we had four of us having dinner talking about ruby yeah and i i can well i guess the joke well, was not <laughs> all, all the early uh garden coffees same kind of thing yeah Definitely. I guess um, in this, like, Joe Book's going to kick off with a bang. <laughs> so they're never going to have that, that small feel. But I'm, I'm really hoping that a lot of people find a home in there. You know, it's, it's great stuff. I hope so, too. I really do hope so. 
So I'll, I'll link up to all the meetups um, in the show notes and, and tweet about it. Unfortunately, this episode will, will not be out in two weeks. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll do my best leading up to that to, to help make a, a noise and get people there. Um, I was just thinking, other than for people joining the meetups, are there any specific call to actions you have? So one of the things that everybody can definitely do is follow our Twitter channel. Um, ladies that UX CPT and there'll soon be a ladies that UX for Gauteng as well on Twitter um, so we'll share that with you uh, but we we kind of we share a lot of articles we share the events that are happening um, you can see what's happening not just locally but internationally um, and we share information about what's happening not just with women in UX but women in tech um, and I think that's really important um yeah and also like let us know if there's something specific that we can maybe be doing for you in order to to help create a more inclusive community um like one of the things that i'm i we're exploring that Inez touched on is you know creating a mentorship program uh do we need to create events that are on weekends or that are more family oriented for women that can't necessarily attend meetings during the week um, that we're very open to hearing uh, what other people need in order to connect more uh, we do have an online slack channel as well um, and which which we're trying to get going it seems to, to be a little bit less successful than the twitter at the moment and the live meetings um, but that space definitely exists as well for women that can't actually physically come to to events um so we're exploring multiple ways in order to allow people to dialogue and connect more yeah so i i agree i think i think it's very important for all members of ltux and anyone who wants to be a part of it to realize that so us as ux consultants we're looking to make the best experience out of this so if you know what you want literally just tell us, like, send us an email, send us a message, say, this is what you're looking for. Um, so, I mean, for instance, so we've had LTUX Joburg has sent out a survey and we've seen that there's a lot of women who want a safe space to practice their public speaking. And so we're hoping to actually host some sort of a public speaking workshop or talk um, probably in September. So, so whatever women are looking for, um, they need to just tell us and let us know what it is and we will try our best to make sure that happens. Yeah. Or, or very often as well, it might not be that we create it, but that we have the network to help women access things that are already happening. Because we're not trying to sort of take over from what other people are doing, but often people don't even know what's happening within the greater UX community. Uh, and it's, it's just a matter of pointing them in the right direction. Yeah, if I can chip in there. I love hearing what, what you ladies have been up to with the, um, those ladies at UX in Joburg. I think it's so important there that you do have a kind of a home base that has that safe space that you were just talking about for people to practice public speaking and also to then go out to other groups that are, uh, that have different focuses or different topics. Um, but have a home base that you, that people can come back to and, um, get support that uh, get support from other people around um the thing that i've always liked there is and you mentioned earlier is that you keep that um that meetup open to diversity so it's it's never just a meetup for women only 
but there are many who want to know about what what the discussions are about and what uh, what what in, what topics are being star are welcome to come along and and hear about this because that it's so important to get the discussion kicked off the ground um i mean i'm now living in in london here and there are a lot of these kinds of groups uh there are a lot of groups that are happening a lot of discussions and i think that the discussions like these are perhaps a bit more pronounced here as uh, perhaps they've been going on more publicly for a bit longer uh but the problems haven't been solved so uh all of the this is super important work in addition to that um i think earlier in this um earlier in the talk lara actually uh touched on something very important um where she said that she basically uh chose to start up LTUX um because it's a meetup that already exists in many different cities um around the world i think she meant, mentioned or Ineas mentioned over 55, around 50 to 55 cities. Um, and that's really important because not only is it giving um, us a chance to network within our own communities, um, but it gives us a chance to network within different communities. I am planning to travel to um, the States in in a month's time. And I'm actually going to be looking up some of the women uh, from LTUX uh, within America and hopefully attend their meetup groups and take some ideas and um, take some of the environment and the actual um, ideas and bring it back to South Africa and hopefully try and inculcate um, all the good things from there um back here and the same for taking stuff from our side and taking it to the LTUX in America and hopefully communicating and trying to see if maybe um we can integrate our communities and get to know women from around the world instead of just focusing um in one city yeah thanks for bringing that up I wanted that was kind of the the last thing I really wanted to dive in is this adventure you're going on um Tell us a bit more about what Tech Woman is and, and how you got involved and, and what you're going to be doing in the States. Yeah, so I'm very, very excited about this new endeavor. I'm, I'm like bursting with joy and excitement. Um, so Tech Woman is essentially a US-based initiative. It concentrates on empowering, connecting, and sort of supporting women within STEM. Um, so each year they have, they take around, I think, 5,000 applications from 20 different countries. Um, and what they do is they choose what they term 100 emerging leader, leaders from those 20 countries. Um, and then, so what happens is, um, once you get chosen as an emerging leader, um, you basically convene in San, the San Francisco Bay Area for professional mentorship, cultural exchange, and sort of impact planning. So, I mean, the mentorship program essentially lasts for four weeks. Um, and during these four weeks, emerging leaders are split up based on interest and expertise between uh, the different big te te tech companies within Silicon Valley. So um, they've already actually paired us with our mentors. And I'm really fortunate to have uh, not only one, but three mentors. 
And of the three mentors, two are actually uh, UX designers and researchers. And the last, the third one is a, a software engineer. And I'll be working at uh, LinkedIn for these four weeks. So like, I'm really excited to be working with these women that have like 15 to 20 years experience. Um, I think the mo main goal of Tech Woman is to basically go to the US to experience all these uh, different environments within the US and within these really huge tech uh, companies and to take all your learnings and experiences and bring it back to your home country and make a difference within your home country. The main thing that they emphasize is go learn from people that are doing really well and come back to your country and you be sort of you be you you implement the change that you want um so yeah that that that's a really it's a really good opportunity i mean we'll i'll be visiting um the white house the state of department in washington we'll be going to companies like google and uh, the surrounding big tech companies in san francisco um i'm really looking to i'm really looking forward to learning from from different people and to experience what's it like within these big tech companies and hopefully bringing some of that back here that sounds amazing it sounds so amazing oh my god Shucks, that's one heck of an adventure. Hope that hope that goes well. Yeah, thank you. I'm. Uh, you can't. I can't. I can't express how much I'm looking forward to it. Kenny, I'm sure we need to schedule some follow up on that. Yeah, that would be really great. I'll be back in November. November, end of November. I am traveling from mid September, and I think I'm back in mid November. <laughs> Redona, that sounds like nuts. I am. Um so jealous <laughs> i will not lie that really sounds like a a once in a lifetime opportunity but then again knowing you you'll just do the next one and the next one <laughs> grabbing the bull by the horns thanks Kenneth. Probably. i i do think it's a once in a lifetime opportunity <laughs> um yeah thanks everyone I, I, to kind of close us off um as we're getting close to time is I wanted to ask if if each of you um, could maybe relate like a little example for the listeners in general, like of what good UX is and, and something they could do um, or somewhere they could start thinking about the stuff in their, in their day job. Um, and it could be anything from, I don't want to make it a leading question, but just any kind of thing that, that, a developer that otherwise doesn't care that that guy in Silicon Valley that designs this killer oh, bootstrap interface and then shows it off and people just don't like it or don't use it. Or what was that great Susan Dry um, quote? If the users don't use it, it's it's broken. Just something to help people think about this and experience it. Yeah, Kenneth, I was just about to ask that. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll take that one first. Um, so... I've, I mean, we, so at Zero One, uh, my company, we've been, we've been working with a lot of, uh, sort of telecoms, uh, companies. And I mean, if you, if you know the nature of ISPs, it's that they, we pull a lot of data from different systems 
And we basically take that data and we um, sort of take that data and make it meaningful and useful by sort of collaborating all that information into one view. Um, in terms of like, I mean, the main thing uh, for me with doing this sort of development is that I find that in the start, I found that when you when you work within frameworks, sometimes they seem to be restrictive. And you'll notice that some frameworks sort of emphasize that you you're you, you can only, you can only load up your template once. Sorry, I'm not, I know I'm going a little bit technical here, Go but on. you can, you can only load up your template once your roots have been loaded. Um, and that's something that's really limiting and challenging. And sometimes you're going against conventions to be able to work around that. And what I found in terms of user experience is that if you're pulling data from multiple systems, the last thing that you want for user experience is to have one big loading spinner in the middle of the page. And the system is, com your application is communicating with three different systems and pulling data from three different systems and loading up three different components, for instance. So you don't want the user to sit at the screen and see this big loading spinner and wait there for perhaps 10 seconds. Cause I mean, if you're pulling big data from slow systems, this is very much a possibility. Um, I found that one of the techniques that I love using for, in terms of making my user experience better, um, is just being able to load things in parallel. So it makes such a big difference to user experience when you loading up three pieces of information from three different endpoints and you actually show three different loading spinners in the places where the information is going to load up. For the user, it sort of seems like it's going faster. Um, and it does. I mean, you load up one piece of information, you load up the next. So they're all loading up as they come through instead of loading up everything at once. Um, this has been a really big, um, like a learning in my, in my development career. I think, um, in the start, um, when I started building, building web applications a couple of years ago, it was actually fine to just show one loading spinner and have everything load up afterwards. But in today's times, it's not acceptable to, for a user to be waiting so long and not seeing things load up as they come through from the back end. Um, yeah, this sort of really resonates with me. I mean, <laughs> I've been going through the exact same thing the last six or seven days, <laughs> taking <laughs> away the single global loading spinner and start putting the individual dots on the page and at the same time making the slow faster. But you're right, it looks great. It feels so much better. Especially if you slide in a little bit of animation, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit lazy for that one just yet. <laughs> I can have that. CSS makes it easy. Come on. Yeah, I, I know. I'm a bit, it's, I'll get there. This is really a big step, big step that I've started thinking of people in this way, in this big system. So I'm happy. <laughs> uh, Laura, from your side. So for me, I think the most important thing is to create some sort of empathy that the, that if you're working on a project, um, you actually get to know in some way the people that you're creating something for. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to be a UX practitioner and do UX research, uh, but 
I do think that it's it's important to connect and get to know some of the people that you're creating something for. And very often, I think that's quite difficult because the companies that exist don't necessarily create the space for that to happen. Um, so sometimes what needs to happen is there does need to be somebody who's actually a champion of the user who can start to influence the company culture in order to allow that to happen. And that's not a simple thing to do at all. Um it's quite complex, and I think there's a lot of conversations within the UX community about it. Uh, but, but ultimately, at the root of it, in order to 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 create something for the user, you have to care about the user. Um, and then the, the other little thing, I think that my other little personal hint that often gets neglected within the UX community, and that maybe we can, uh, like, if more developers and other businesses uh, remember this that maybe we can do something about it a little bit more. Uh, but very often, projects neglect the business users. They don't consider the back-end people who are busy loading things onto a system for other users as the users of that system. Now, firstly, they're users, so we should care about them. But secondly, how quickly they're able to add information or how well they add information or how well they're able to respond to other users affects the experience of our end users as well and it just uh, too often that that aspect of it gets neglected yeah guilty as charged there for back-end users for sure i think the rails rails will just drops active admin in which (laughs) which is a glorified view of the database tables and imagine business needs to get by with it yeah exactly and then those business users they either they get frustrated or it takes you know five times as long um, becomes difficult to meet our SLAs. Um, it has such a huge impact on the end user. I guess, and they start then figuring out how they can circumvent the system. And that's the place you don't want to be at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ines, any tips, ideas from your side? Um, from my side, um, I must say I, I agree with Lara a lot on this. So when I can go to business and say to them, listen, I've created this experience and and I'm like 90% sure that you're going to get the results that you you want out of it. The only way that I can give that assurity if I've had a way or found a way to actually empathize with the users. So doing research, understanding people, talking to people, being with the people that are going to use your product. Um, I think for me, that's that's the key to, to to getting things right is is to making sure that you're not doing things based on assumptions. You're not doing things, oh, well, this worked in my last project, so it'll probably work now. I think every instance is different. Every user, every subject matter is all different and requires a whole bunch of empathy that requires a whole bunch of research and understanding, um, which, as Lara said, is very difficult to get. Um, like push away that that's that's my tip push away to get the research done to get the empathy done yeah pushing a hell of a lot fighting a hell of a lot to get what you need done done so i just want to reply to that so i think like like i think very often you know the, the user research is the realm of people who do user research and one of the things we need to be careful of um in in saying people need to have empathy with other people I just want to differentiate that it's not that we're telling everybody that they need to be able to do user research. 
They just need to find some way of connecting with people, whether it's an on-site visit to actually see the people that are utilizing their systems or um, out on the roads and seeing people using their mobile apps, um, you know, just somewhere. You don't have to be a user researcher or a UX practitioner to go out and see how people are actually living their lives. Yeah, one of those things when you realize writing software is all about people and you <laughs> can't avoid interacting with them. Right, so b- before we get into picks, I'm kind of sure all this this great work um, everybody's doing with the meetups is not without um, some kind of help. I, I, I kind of know like we run Lunch and Learn, I help with Josie RB behind the scenes. That's the hard work, um, even if it is just a thing for your own bills. Um, Ines, is there anybody you would specifically like to thank for, for making this possible? There's so many people that I'd like to thank, um, most especially for our launch event. We wouldn't have gotten here without all of these people. Um, firstly, so for our city image, so so because we are a global organization, one of the requirements is for each chapter to have their own city image. Um, ours is amazingly a, a beautiful panoramic image of Joburg City. It's 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 so stunning. It's been taken by Stefan Hamsch, and he's allowed us to have rights to this image. Um, so we're really thankful to him. Um, and then specifically for our launch event, I really have to thank Open Santon. That's where the event will be held. Um, they've agreed to sponsor the venue and all of the equipment that we'll need. So that's amazing. Um, I also really have to thank my company, um, Free Thinking, because they're sponsoring the beverages, but also the amazing workshop kits that we're going to have for the event. It's going to be, I mean, tons of post-its, definitely, um, but fun things like Play-Doh and pipe cleaners, and they're they're really helping us get this together to be a really fun and interactive event. Um, and then I really also have to thank domains.co.za as well as Zero One. Radwana, you're here, so I'll thank you personally. Thank you so much because both of those companies are contributing to the catering for the launch event. So it, it is. It's going to be quite big. This catering, this drinks, this, this everything. It's going to be big. And without all of these people, it would not have been what we hope it will be. So like a really big thank you to everyone. Oh, wow. That's quite a list. It's huge. It's <laughs> amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. The, I mean, it's like Malcolm Gladwell always complains with the 10,000 hours being taken out of context. It's like, it's all the supporting environment and, and other people behind the scenes that you never see that makes it possible to do these amazing things. Laura, do you have the, the, is there people helping out at, at Ladies at UX Cape Town that you would want to give a shout out to? So I also to thank my company, Miram. Uh, at the time of the launch, it was Quirk, but they, they're still sponsoring our meetup um, groups. Uh, so they're paying for both the Cape Town one and the Joburg one at the moment. And Whitespace, who helped with our launch, uh, and you know they're both still continuing to play a supportive role um, from an administrative perspective, uh, as well as with some supplies uh, for the organization. Um, I also want to thank Georgie Bottomley, uh, who is from the Global LTUX, who has been very supportive in helping to kind of get things moving along uh, with getting in there set up. 
uh, as well as just, you know, a lot of international women who are constantly providing inputs and opportunities uh, and sharing information and inspiring me. And, you know, like, like sometimes with an organization like this, you go through lulls. Uh, and it's just so nice to have all of these women across the globe going through through these amazing experiences and constantly inspiring you to just keep going and reminding you of how important it is what you're actually doing. And the last person that I actually want to just thank is Inez. Um, I've been trying to find somebody to hit up Joburg for since last year sometime uh, because from the moment we launched, there were women in Joburg that wanted and needed something like this. And Inez has just taken the bull by the horns and run with it and is doing such an amazing, fantastic job and really just being so supportive and also inspiring as well in the kind of connections and opportunities that she's creating for this organization. Thanks, Inez. It's my pleasure, Lara. It's been so great. Oh, no, that's fantastic. Th thanks. And, uh, yeah, I guess with that, uh, let's head into some picks. Uh, I'll start us off. Uh, I'm going to pick a previous episode that we recorded with Rudy from Pink IT, episode 69. Um, fantastic. Also, we covered a lot of this uh, journey through tech and, and the diversity issues. And um, uh, yeah, it was great. I learned a lot. I got schooled heavily. Um, <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I would encourage anybody to listen to that. Um, it's it's really important, especially all, all the guys. I think uh, we need we need some help. <laughs> um, then another app I saw today, I still have to install it, but it looks fascinating, Sim Daltonism. Um, it's available for iOS and Mac. I'll have a link in the show notes. But it's it's an open source app that basically helps you see what uh, graphics and the world looks like for people with different uh, colorblindness. Um, and you can choose, uh, well, I guess it kind of makes sense um, just so you know that what you're putting on screen is actually visible to people. And I guess especially if you're doing a lot of like visual charting stuff and you're just depending on some built-in color scheme from something, uh, color scale, do you even know if somebody will be able to distinguish the stuff? Uh, that's kind of the use case that I want to test it out for. So those are my two picks. Uh, Chantal? Um, so my first pick is um, just some tips about UI design. So it's an article um, called 10 Usability Heuristics for User Interface Design. It's from Jacob Nielsen, who's quite a big name in um, HCI. So it's just some tips about what to be aware of when designing um, a user interface. And then my second pick is someone I mentioned on uh, previously on one of the podcasts who is um, She's called uh, her Twitter handle is Sailor HG, and she runs um, a store called Bubble Sort Zines. And she recently released um, some really uh, so she designs her own zines and she writes them and she illustrates them herself. And she recently uh, released a t shirt um, which says Get It Girl, so Git, G I T, and it has it's just really cute. It just has a girl um, um, working on a computer and it's all pink and sparkly and I just love it. And that's my second pick. Those shirts are awesome. <laughs> They're really cool. Um, Inez? Uh, okay, I have two. So both for me very related to to the great experience that they deliver. Um, so the first one is it's not really an app. It's more of a service. It's called YouCook. Um, 
so I I live alone and for me like a big thing was was that I, I I go to the shops a lot and I waste a lot of food and I'm not eating healthy and I found you cook and they basically send you recipes but along with the ingredients that you need to cook those recipes uh, and it's pretty affordable at the same time but the best thing is that it's a, it's a 30 minute meal and they send you the exact ingredients so if they're like sprinkle some lemon on food they've given me a slice of lemon so i'm not buying a bag of six lemons to use a slice they've given me a lemon so there's like no waste it's really fun it's delicious and so the whole experience of getting those meals delivered to me is really amazing and i think they've done quite a quite a great job of that since i i keep ordering from them each week so that's my first one is you cook uh, the second is is an app that I've started using quite recently. It's already made a difference. It's called Simple Habit. So it's a it's a meditating app. Uh, it's it focuses on mindfulness and how do you how how do you cope with the stress of I mean our busy lives and and everything. And the most amazing thing for me is that I think they really understand their people. So so we're people who who we want to have less stress, we want to de-stress, we want to breathe, we want to like take a moment. Um, but we re- we literally don't have all day. So they've got like five minute meditation. You can just go and take five minutes away before you're, you're, before a hectic meeting or after a hectic day. You know, you've only got five minutes and they, and they do that and they give you a five minute meditation. It's, it's made a really big difference to my everyday life and the experiences that I go through. So those are my two in terms of the great UX that they provide. Wow, thanks. Kevin? Uh, so I haven't been on for a while, so I'm going to go completely off the topic with my picks um, and pick a software tool to start with. Uh, so if you're working on software and you're using a tool to keep track of your work, like Trello or Jira or one of those, um, We've come across one called Clubhouse that, uh, Kenny, you'll love this one. It's written using Clojure and Datomic. So that's right up your street. Sold. <laughs> um, but it's uh, a hosted system. It kind of strikes a really good balance between Trello and Jira, I think. So uh, still works in kind of lists uh, in a kind of a workflow that you set up, but it, it has the concept of what is a feature, what is a bug, what's a chore, um, some good reports around it and things like that. It, it just really strikes a really good balance, we find. Second pick is Carl Simpson's series on JavaScript uh, called YDKJS. You don't know JavaScript. Really worthwhile going through that. And last pick, a little book, oh, a book that I've started reading over the weekend is an O'Reilly book called Site Reliability Engineering. It's a, a collection of papers uh, written by employees on Google's site reliability engineering team about how they work and how they keep Google at uh, production efficiency. Those are my picks. So I also have two picks, um, and they are 100% on topic because, <laughs> of course, I'm passionate about the topic. Uh, so the first is um, a – I would recommend that anybody who is really passionate about the, the topic of Thinking about the person that you're actually creating things for does Ideos Design Thinking course. Um, it's free and it's just about human-centered design, actually looking at 
the context in which people are existing and innovating for those people. And it's just such a lovely toolkit and method and way of tackling problems um, from whether it's a website or whether we're just talking about social issues and coming up with ways to actually address those kind of issues. Um, very, very highly recommended. And then the second uh, pick that I have also on topic, um, <clears throat> a lot of people want to know how they actually uh, introduce UX more into their business. And Marco Pretorius, who I've worked with at Western Cape Government, did his PhD on institutionalizing UX in organizations. And his web website's UX strategy um, actually goes through a step-by-step -step process of how do you institutionalize UX within an organization. And I also think this is an amazing resource um, for organizations who are interested in UX. Wow, that sounds great. Because I definitely, I think a lot of people are going to be asking exactly that question. So thank you. <laughs> uh, Ridwana? Yeah, so I have a couple as well. Um, so in keeping with sort of user interface design and user experience, um, the first one is a tool called Sketch. Um, it's a vector design tool built for designing, and it has a really cool reusable and scalable workflow within it. Um, it's a little bit pricey, I guess. It's $99. Um, but if you're a designer and you're doing this all the time, um, it is 100% worth it. I love using Sketch. Uh, the second pick that I have is um, also in keeping with user experience. It's a prototyping collaboration and workflow platforming tool called Envision. Um, so you're just able to upload your design files and um, you can create animations and gestures gestures and transform static screens basically into like clickable interactive prototypes. Um, that one's really cool and I love using it. The third one that I have is it's a sort of a technical resource. So I recently started using Egghead videos. So egghead.io is the URL. Um, it's a platform where you can do a lot of JavaScript learning. And I think the main thing for me is that I don't have a very, I don't like watching like one and one and a half hour videos about something. So these are like five to 10 minute videos and they very scoped into the point, which makes it great for learning. And then just my last one, I am very late to the party, but I just recently read the Steve Jobs book and it was amazing it was inspiring and captivating and it's definitely a great read it's a little bit long but 100 percent worth it and that's my four picks thanks yeah i opted for the two movies <laughs> not the book maybe, <laughs> maybe still <laughs> i've only had good things about it um yeah thanks i, I just want to add on something uh, a pick to mind that's actually on topic um that you maybe think of you said prototyping so the little iphone app uh, prototype on paper or pop i think it's just been searched for it um it's also fantastic you if you've got little sketch notes that you made of your ui you just take pictures and then you can start selecting the regions and and make things clickable and move around and whatnot not not the best but it's, it's lacquer to play with cool everyone thanks again uh for joining us um on a monday night so late in in the peculiar, <laughs> peculiar situations and locations and whatnot, and weather and rain in the Cape and, and cold up here. Um, and thank you for what you're doing. It's 
absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how ladies at UX evolve and, and grow and, and just creates a great place for people to come in and connect and learn. Yeah, thank you so much um, for having us, Kenneth um, and Chantal and Kevin. Um, it was really great um, talking about what what our goals are for LTUX and um, what we sort of want to achieve. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. And uh, just let us know when you guys want to come back on and, and oh, I'm going to have to fix that. Let us know when you ladies want to come back on and, and tell us a bit about more of the adventures. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'll beat that guy's thing out of my vocabulary. <laughs> you, you're talking about that uh, <laughs> Not being edited out, right? No, don't edit it out. Okay. I'll, <laughs> okay, I'll leave it. I've been so cognizant of that. All right. And on that we all need to be. <laughs> let's all say goodnight. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. Show notes for this episode can be found on zadefchat.io. As always, ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. If you have feedback on this episode or any other episode, you can tweet us at zadefchat or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for listening to the ZADefchat podcast and we'll see you next time.